0: Hey, this is Mike Lindsay from Biomex. I'm here with Adam Bailey from sX Global and uh, I can imagine this is a much less stressful week the The deed is done. the championship is over. so first off starting, um how do you guys feel about the the first year?
1: yeah, good, good, thank you. I mean, it's um we definitely feel like we i mean we're proud of what we achieved. I mean, first and foremost, I think we're we're proud to um, you know have a couple of great. Um, great attendances, you know, um, we had 35,000 in, in Cardiff and then 50,000 over two days in Melbourne, which, which is great. We, we feel like the, the fans are into it and, and, and vocal and, um, you know, that was the number one thing, I think, for us. If you were going to pick anything, the number one thing was that we, we had a, a, an awesome fan reaction. And I think that is the, the thing that we're most proud about, you know, operationally, production-wise of the event, TV broadcast, all those things you know, between Cardiff and Melbourne, um, you know, made huge improvements, um, but there's still a long way to go. Um, but at the same time, you know, the reason why we did this pilot season was to iron out those things, It was to, to demonstrate, you know, I guess our ability to prove the concept, to to engage with fans, you know, in a couple of, you know, vastly different regions, which we did, um, and iron out the kinks and, and put our team, um, you know, in a real-life environment to kind of, you know prepare for next year really so so we ticked all those boxes and, and overall you know we're happy
0: what do you feel like were the the biggest lessons learned at cardiff before you guys went to melbourne what was on like the top of your checklist who that you guys felt like you could improve and did you feel like you met those improvements going into the the melbourne round
1: uh oh god there were so many i think there was there was something like 80, 80 odd you know really critical debrief notes that we had following cardiff um mm-hmm and uh, and not small things like quite big things that 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 we realized that needed to be changed needed to be fixed um and we 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 pretty much pretty much ticked all those off but they were things like um you know scheduling and and slight adjustments to the schedule to ensure that the the main event races the gp race at the end of the night had enough time to breathe in between and so that made the competition better there was you know obviously many many logistical kind of behind the scenes things um that 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 changed improved but for us the the number one things were you know broadcasts trying to make sure that um you know it was tighter yet also um you know the quality of of the the shots were better which they were um there's from the actual live event and 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 how what's unique about what we do is what is that we we really focus on Um, A broadcast show but also a live event show Um, and those two things don't generally talk to each other very well you know Mm -hmm. if like anyone that has been to an event and seen a a, a for broadcast event um, you can really see the difference where the event is quite um, stagnant except for when the broadcast says go and the broadcast really controls the whole thing Mm -hmm. Um, and and what you see on the tv um, isn't necessarily you know the same entertainment package that you see on the ground And, and what what we um, try to do is manage both which is really tough you know to to have a live show where people are engaged you know that are in the stadium um, without compromising the live broadcast and vice versa is really is really tough balance so we didn't always get it right there was definitely areas where for example the live event for the fans was dead because you're waiting for broadcast and and, and vice versa there's confusion around things you know our podium in in Cardiff was a mess, for example, because you know we had a live show merging with the live event and when they merged together at that point in time it, it wasn't it didn't work. So we had to completely you know change that for Melbourne as an example. so there's lot there's lots of things and that balance of uh, of bringing those two elements together is one of the most difficult parts of what we do and um it was better in Melbourne, but still not there completely. So I think that you know those are the the main things that sort of spring to mind of, you know areas of improvement um that we that, that that we recognized straight away that we made, but we still didn't get all the way there for sure
0: now it's here uh interesting here you say because i always i never got to experience your guys's AUSAS OZS, um x open events, but I always heard the live in-person show was one of the best parts of it. I heard that the, the fans that went, it, went to it in uh, person really enjoyed it. Um, so coming into these, uh, hearing you say that that's actually where you guys felt like maybe a Cardiff was one of your weaker points, was it because you guys haven't had to focus so much on the broadcast before? You guys maybe went too too far worrying about that? Because like I said, it sounds like from what I've heard before, the, the in-person is uh, something you guys are really good at
1: i think you know it's a combination of things you know and it's again reason why we wanted to do this pilot season but being in cardiff uh, and being on you know the other side of the world to where we're from in a, in a completely new venue a new location and we're really lean on the ground with people um you know travel expenses and things are out of control at the moment as people would know so you yeah. know um and when you're not in your hometown so to speak you don't have favours to call on, you know, there's not a, you can't just call on an extra 10 people to come give you a hand because that extra 10 people for us to go to Cardiff would was, was, you know, is uh, you know, probably a hundred thousand dollars in travel and expenses and things. Do you, you know what I mean? So we had to run it very, very um, lean and, uh, and, and also there's a lot of nuances when you're in a, a new location in terms of the broadcast team, even, you know, there's, there's 45, people that make up the TV broadcast team alone. And of those only five were ones that we had taken with us. Um, So then there's 40 people that are new to what we do, essentially new to working with our team. And, you know, so I think it's a combination of, it's probably really just was a a matter of the fact of being in a whole different region for the first time, new venue for the first time, you know, lots of new people in our whole business, um, lots of new people working in that region that we hadn't worked with before. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just make mistakes. We we have the schedule, but certain things in practice just didn't work as good as, as planned or as expected, you know, and, and you didn't have enough contingencies or, or space to change things at the last minute. So, um, you know, I think... Most of the things, most of the issues, to the train eye, some might have picked up, but most of the issues or most of the things that we wanted to improve on, the live fans that were there didn't, didn't, wouldn't have known. Um, but for us, we knew, you know. So it was, um, you know, we're, we're very proud of the product we put out first time, given all those things, um, and and most of all that the fan experience and the fan reaction was phenomenal. Um, but we know that we can do better, you know, and we're our, we're our hardest critics, that's for sure.
0: Outside of the actual racing itself, um, of course, you guys had a lot of your top names over earlier. There was a lot more of a, um, a local press uh, functions to these, a lot more like what we see in MotoGP and F1. Were you guys happy with the response you guys got on those, um, the amount of publicity you were able to get locally? Did those events, did the, the riders and everybody involved seem to enjoy those? Or
1: They did, yeah. I think um, the response from riders and teams was, was amazing. I think that um, our team worked really hard to to be super inclusive of them in all of the planning and give, try and spread the load, you know, in terms of the publicity for the teams and riders, because everyone has their own unique story. And as you go around, you know, uh, the world in time, then the different riders will have more appeal in different regions, you know? So um, for example, we obviously lent heavily on Dean Wilson and Max Ancy in the UK because of where they're from and that's who they are. And then, you know, coming to Australia, you know, Chad Reed would take more of the forefront. Obviously he was injured, but the, you know it's just how we sort of try and spread the load is something that we'll that we'll work on but um again i I think a lot of new people a lot of um you know new relationships even with media in these regions etc too and and overall the response was great
0: so for melbourne you guys had the local you guys were able to do basically the the local national series for Friday night to have mixed some practice in some of the guys actually compete in both series. Cause you have a, a good amount of teams that are Australian based. Um, I know that's not always going to work out like, Oh, there's not always going to be a local regional series, but does it make you, did it make you guys rethink at all? Some of some of your venues and what time of year they run, whether it's like, let's say around in Imbrin, or if it's something that can be done in German, Germany or France that has their own supercross series. Was there enough positive there for the fans getting two nights? It's like, hey, let's maybe see if we can get some of these venues to work out with a regional series, um, if possible. Does it give you guys? Were you guys already had that mindset, or did it change your mind at all seeing how Melbourne went?
1: Um, well, we did have that. We definitely had that mindset. In and in a in an ideal world, you know, that's something we'd like to do, is because we want to use the world championship to help build up the domestic championships around the world too because that's how you know that's how it should feed riders into this championship in time so that was always part of the strategy and having the Australian championship on the Friday night you know was was a it was a test case to see how that how that could work there's a lot of difficulties with it because we had you know and especially in year 1 we had riders that riding on on world championship teams that are different to the Australian championship team. I mean, Matt Moss, for example, raced a Yamaha 450 with his team in Australia on Friday night, and then raced a Kawasaki 250 with the Bud Racing team in uh, the world championship on Saturday night. Now, that's not ideal, obviously, um, but you know, it def- that those kinds of difficulties were things that kind of popped up that we weren't necessarily expecting, you know, and. Um, but overall you know i mean the fan reaction again on friday night was amazing and they were they were were far more vocal than i probably expected and the racing was incredible i mean you know um aaron Tanti, to you know um really had a a really strong battle leading the races and battling with Brayton, which was incredible you know um max ansi put on a fantastic show you know having dino in there put on a fantastic show so the um the racing was was really really good, and as an entertainment package, it was it was amazing, honestly. And so I think that could happen in regions around the world, and, there, and, and and if we can. And also, um, sorry, just to add to that, is that the domestic championship here, um, which is the Fox Australian Supercross Championship, is, um, I think bolstered by world, the world championship in terms of now the rider talent that it has. You know, uh, it, it having Dean Wilson in it, or Justin Brayton and Max Nancy, for example you know, um, you know, Serco Yamaha just has brought in um, Justin Thompson from Canada and there's, there's, you know, um, as well as the, the Australian, you know, star riders. So, you know, the plan is that World Supercross lifts, you know, the game and gives opportunities and also just gives that kind of level of motivation for those domestic championships and the teams within those to step up what they're doing too. And I think... That has happened here in Australia, and that they've got the second round of the Australian Championship this weekend in 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 Adelaide in South Australia. Um, then the, the third round in Newcastle at the end of November, and then the fourth um, round in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, and and the the the, the depth of talent in those is, I think, lifted um, as a result. And, and, uh, and I hope that the fan, um, interest is lifted as a result. So if we can do that all the way around the world, then, then I think it sort of proves the concept, but it's doesn't come without its challenges for sure.
0: So I want to hear your thoughts on speaking of just purely the racing product, um, the teams, the riders, uh, you know, I remember before the first round we did a, a little predictions podcast and I can say I was drastically wrong on the bottom half of the field. Like not by the way, like you, um, you know, some of your bigger, teams in there, um hp mdk some uh cdr and some of the ones i you know expected between the rider list they had and the organization quality the the riders do well but like big hats off to like gsm and bud i i felt like bud extremely overperformed um some of those are really cool to watch some of the teams that bit earlier on their riders that were smaller teams that maybe got overlooked in this series i think really stepped up to the plate um again coming into this you guys had you know, a, a group of teams that were kind of all placing, hey, it's it's a new starting point. It's an even playing field. But even with that, some of them had different past ex- racing experiences. But uh, uh, ones I wouldn't have expected to do as well as they did did. So, I mean, for you guys, has that been a positive showing the from the product standpoint? Like, hey, we really did start a series that kind of gave a lot of these guys a fresh start. Some of these names that you know, maybe the American crowd particularly, because they're they're Supercross watchers, saw a lot of names beat guys they probably didn't expect, and teams do better than they expect.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I, it was, we're really proud of that because I think, you know, there was riders that, you know, performed better than expected and it kind of, and teams performed better than expected, like you said, but it kind of, well, not kind of, it did prove the concept, which is when you take this show around the world, there's, there's quite an equaliser there, you know, um, because all of them are battling different challenges. You know, they go to a different region they've never been before. There's jet lag, there's, you know, um, they, they, they didn't practice like they do when they race in the US. They're not able to. Their, their bikes are on the road. They're traveling. They're traveling for multiple days. Um, so, um, you know, it changes things. It means that there's, a, there's a, a different type of challenge that they face when they come and do World Supercross events. So, it, you know, the as I said, the jet lag and being in a completely different environment, the whole travel schedule itself, the, the lack of practice in between the events, you know, it, it, it changes things up. And um and you know, I was stoked to see some unpredictable results happen, you know, and 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 uh, I think that's what this championship will bring. I think it'll it'll change things and there'll be riders that that perform better than expected and others that'll perform, you know, worse than expected because it's completely different and it's just a, a very different environment than what they're used to.
0: Speaking of equalizers, um, question I was really curious to ask you after experiencing now with the first two rounds is the tracks themselves. So we know going into this, you guys talked about Trying to have tracks that were, I think the last time we spoke, the the quote was something more like 90% of a typical Supercross, trying to get them a tick mellower, a tick safer in a way. That's always a plus and minus because we it, to a more extreme version of that in the US when we did our first year of Futures where they were really taming the tracks down for the amateurs, the tracks got really fast, they are really easy, but the problem is because they were so easy, the guys, everybody was trying to find a 10th anywhere because the they were running so tight that some of the crashes end up being at times worse because the speeds were higher and they're pushing so hard. We saw a lot of really weird incidents at the races for the tracks being a tick on the mellower side. Has it made you guys look at track designs at all? Kind of like, where do you guys chalk up some of the issues? We know with, of course, with, um, Grant and Reed, were we're technically related to their bikes, but again, for. The said we had a lot of highlight moments of guys pushing on each other harder than expected. Did you, did you guys foresee that happening or did it catch you off guard?
1: I mean, I think again, we just didn't know, like, uh, you know, I think it's just a huge, you know, learning the, and you're right. I mean, it's a complete balance, which we always knew it would be is, is of too easy. Again, as you, you're completely right in saying that this just means it pushes the speed up and then people are, 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 are taking even more risks to make, tiny gains so that is difficult um but what I do think is that the the balance was was right in that the racing was close and unpredictable Mm -hmm. like we said before and I think that was that that's the number one thing that the the racing and competition has to be has to be close and unpredictable and it was that um but you know safety wise you know it it is it will be an ongoing balance and which is why we you know engage Jason Baker at Dreamcast we just feel like he can take all that information in, you know, he wasn't at Cardiff, but was in Melbourne. He can see what happened on the track, see what happened in the, you know, in the racing and, and, um, and we can discuss how we continue to improve. Um, but yeah. And I think it's not that any obstacles need to be removed or drastically changed, but it's the combination of what obstacles you have and where on the track and, and things that is the, probably the, the number one thing. We just got to continue to, to um, assess that each time i I think it's a constant evolution Uh, you know it's an incredibly difficult and challenging and dangerous sport as we know so you're not going to eradicate injuries but we want to give everyone the best chance of racing um safely but also closely so you know i I wouldn't say that we have the magic answer and we never thought we would but we do do want to continue to make steps Uh, and i think that the racing in the crashes and the accidents that happened were part of the racing element and not just riders trying to t- trying to um, survive the track. And that, that was first and foremost, we wanted to remove the element of people, riders just trying to survive the track. And I think we removed that, but it doesn't mean that then there's not still racing incidents and things that happen because of people racing the track. So it's a tough balance. So we'll have to continue to work on it. There's no question.
0: I can also imagine once you guys get into a longer series, it might change the mentality and pacing of some of these guys because I can imagine they probably felt like it was a short series. So I think judging even by people I knew they're racing they have raced some of these same guys they are like, I just don't know what they were thinking. They were taking risks. I'm not used to X rider taking when racing me. But I guess I kinda of could also understand it because they're thinking if they had one bad main, they're like, well, I've only got so many to make it up here. So I, I could also imagine as the series grows in lengths, that also might kind of help fix itself from a mentality standpoint with some of these guys. Yeah, totally. And
1: and and there was a lot of energy in the room. There's a lot of the fans are really vocal, really into it. And and you know, these are young men <laughs> that uh, have a lot of testosterone and they're hungry to win and they wanted wanted to make a mark, like you said, in the short championship, and and that is again will be one of the things that that uh you know the championship will will bring out is the people that can play the long game, that can handle the travel, that can, you know, um can can operate professionally in the the, the highest level for the for the whole season kind of thing. So, um yeah, I think there was just a bit of excitement, you know, that that needed to be tempered, perhaps. <laughs>
0: Talking about the actual race format um, from you guys after you sat down went over both the, uh, both the events, what do you guys feel like was the biggest positive of the format you brought to fans? And what was, at the end of it, the biggest question mark you even have about your own format that is a uh, consideration in the future?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like, I think from an entertainment perspective, it was great. I think like Cardiff was too tight, and we recognize that because whilst the racing was close... Um, there wasn't enough time to tell the stories and bring the crowd up to speed with where, where the racing is at and to build, you know, tension throughout the night to, to the, to the end, which is really key. Um, we had that a lot better in, in Melbourne and, and um, you know, I think it worked well. I mean, it, it's, it helped that Kenny got a flat tire, which none of us expected. And and that added to the whole tension um, and, and um, excitement of the whole thing. So there's there was some really cool storylines that came out of it. Um but I think, you know, there's, there's merit to, you know, do we need more time still before that last one, you know, there's been ideas thrown around about the, you know, maybe the last race of the three isn't back to back and they interchange between the two to give even more time, you know, to build some of the storylines. And those are, those are the kinds of things that we'll, we'll throw around um, you know, between us. And 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 maybe we'll test, test, um, you know, in, in the new year, but I think overall the racing was great. And from an entertainment perspective, it was great. So, I think the formats really worked um can they be improved upon yes i'm sure that they can for sure too so um there's no huge runaway runaway wins which i thought again was was what we're aiming to to achieve and the fans were you know literally on their feet you know at the end you know multiple races you know so i thought um that was a good
0: thing any chance of a sx2 pole? i know personally i've always been a big fan of the super poles, so uh, I would definitely love to see the two the two fifty guys get it too.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely that 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 that's something that we'll throw around for sure. I think. Um, I mean, I agree. I think it's good. I, I really love that element. I really enjoy as a as a hardcore fan watching them on the track and by themselves and to see what they do and how they do. It. And 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 it's really cool and blows my mind every time that when you see riders do new obstacles during their Super Bowl lap or trying something that they hadn't done all night. You know. You, you know, um, Josh Hill doing the quad at the in, uh, in Cardiff and then, you know, Kenny follows and does the quad and they, which they hadn't done, you know, I thought that was really, really cool. And those are the really exciting, you know, elements that the, um, that the Super Bowl brings out. So, yeah, uh, I, I think we'd definitely be open to having the SX2 class do it as well if we can fit it from a scheduling perspective. But because, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that that was definitely a great success.
0: I think it's a real call cool from... Somebody's worked on team and work with suspension, like uh, team mechanics, uh, crew chiefs, those kind of guys get to experience that. They go to test tracks and they watch their one guy hit heaters, hit sections perfect. And it's really cool to watch the nuances of if they hit everything perfect, what they do on the bike. The kind of stuff you don't have the time to watch when there's a lot of guys on track and there's a lot going on. Um, again, if you're somebody on teams, you, you get to experience it day in and day out, but something a fan doesn't get to see, and it is. Or, you know it's so many guys usually attract just watch one guy in the moment go at mm. it as a, it's pretty cool to watch like so there's a lot of little things you pick up that you normally just wouldn't get the time to recognize and and see totally and and like hear the bike
1: you know you can when you when you can hear someone's bike you can really learn a lot about what they're doing and how they're doing and how they're riding the bike and you know as a as a racer and a, and a hardcore fan like yourself it, that's really really interesting i found i find that cool to be able to really hear what they're doing and how they're riding the bike at the time whereas when there's you know 20 guys out there you just can't you you really don't know what they're doing in that in that sense so it adds a whole nother kind of dimension really to how much you can understand the way they're riding the track which i think is cool too uh
0: something i was really curious about with the point structures you guys did actually paying points per main um i thought about so say we go to 10 rounds next year or something like that that technically means we're basically racing in from a point standpoint you're basically awarding 30 main events um of points uh say we have a situation ken rocks decides to race um again next year the whole season somebody of a really big caliber that could potentially run away with a championship after it's kind of weird because definitely there was a lot of chaos between the two rounds a lot of up and down so nobody really got these big points hauls. but has it crossed your guys' mind at all like hmm what if, if somebody went on a tear here? Could they wrap up the championship by like main 18 or 19 or 20 of the year? Like if, if they just start raking out those wins, so is it, is that something that's under, have you guys considered the point structure at all, or it kind of where this is only two rounds, will you guys just see kind of how it works next year in a longer series um, before further making any changes in that sense?
1: Yeah, I think, um you know, it was a no brainer given how short this year's series was, you know, I mean, um, it's barely a series, but, you know, to, to, it's really, really short. So to have six point scoring races, you know, over the two events, I thought, you know, was super important. Um, you know, I think that we would have to trial it over. I don't think we'd want, make drastic changes on things like that until we've gone through a full series and see whether it does or doesn't work because there's kind of equal argument to say, well, um, someone could go on a tear, but also you've still got to have three races each time and they'd have to go on a, an enormous tear. And then there's, if they miss a race or miss two races, someone else can do the same thing in reverse, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I really don't know. I think that's what's exciting about it. It's unpredictable. I, I really don't know how it'll how it'll pan out. I think, um, and and we want to be different. We're we, we're liking kind of pushing the pushing the uh, the envelope and trialing it out. And I think it. I think uh, at this point in time, it. it you know this this year proved that it worked well we came, you know came into that very last moto the last um gp race out of six with three people really having a good chance of winning the, the title um which is which is cool so and there was literally only a couple of points in it so i think you know how that'll pan out over a longer series i think we'll 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 see next year and then go from there
0: uh dark question i had was about some of the the talent um for specific teams this is not to throw anybody under the bus but i think it's a, an honest conversation to have especially in your guys series it is a little different because the teams are sort of business partners so if your guys in this situation you know you guys are helping them out but in turn they need to bring you know they're they're expected to line up with good talent i felt like a few teams again you know, some smaller teams I didn't expect to maybe do as well as they did. I think they did their homework. They got guys early. They put in the effort to get these guys comfortable. And then some teams I expected to put a better foot forward, kind of dropped the ball and were hiring riders three or four days before your first event. Um, to sadly say, a couple did things like that. Are those kind of conversations you guys kind of have to have. And do you guys feel like it, because you're in more of a partner situation are these conversations you can have with the teams of like, Hey, like there's certain expectations here to, to, cause I think, you know, for the teams, it doesn't look good. And I don't think it looks particularly great for you guys. If, if some of them are being kind of lazy in that sense in, in there, when you have teams that clearly put in the effort and made it work. Mm, totally. I mean, it's one—it's it, uh,
1: one of those things that the results, do, you know, speak for themselves. You know, quite a lot there. Um, and uh, in some in some cases, I mean, the MDK guys, you know, had a shocker in terms of luck, and 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 uh, I was disappointed to see what happened there because they felt like they did try and put their best foot forward, yep. um, and and it just didn't work out. But um, but uh, the beauty of the of the structure really is that we can have those conversations. You know, there is performance. Expectation is part of our agreement, you know, and mm-hmm. and teams do have to provide a level, you know, to justify the the um, appearance fees that they receive from us. And, and you, you're right, some put a more of a, a foot forward than others, and um, I think that that you know demonstrated in the results. But you know, I really hope now that having shown the the platform that we we want to deliver, that those teams, you know, all of the teams are motivated by that, which which it sounds like they will be to see, okay. You know, this is worth investing in. I understand some, you know, wanted or needed to be conservative, not knowing what it was we were gonna produce. Um, but you know, there's definitely an expectation now that for 2023, um, you know, they they invest into the series as much as we're investing into them and that the, you know, that the, they do show up with um with the best possible team that they can that they can pull together from around the world. And that's that's the expectation of, of all 10 teams. And we we definitely haven't shied away from that.
0: So when you say there is like performance verbiage, um, I'm taking a a page here out of NASCAR and I may misquote this because I don't follow it that closely, but I believe in their charter system, there is some verbiage in the sense of if you're like the lowest scoring point team, like two years in a row, like you're just straight up putting pay drivers in and they're just parking and arriving with cars like they actually can be forced to sell their charter, basically forced to give up their spot. They don't get it taken from them, but they're basically told, hey, you you have to put it up for sale. We're going to get somebody else in here that wants to wants to grow and do this. Is that kind of like there's a situation for you guys if somebody acted in that way? You guys have the ability to get it in the hands of somebody that wants to do something with it.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. We do have you know similar um, similar kind of wording in our agreement that says if they if if they're consistently underperforming that that um, that they can be. Um, they can be encouraged shall we say to 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 Definitely. sell to someone that that um that wants it and wants to deliver you know to the level we expect so and I mean thankfully now that we have uh, and you know we have, the 10 teams we have are, are fantastic we're we're incredibly proud to have all of them there but there are teams that want to step in you know we've, we've been reached out by multiple th- that want to come in and probably some in you know, international teams that didn't really realise the extent of the fact that they've missed that opportunity now, you know, um, and so it means that, um, you know, if if any of those 10 didn't want to be part of it or didn't want to, didn't see the value in the investment, I wouldn't be concerned that they wouldn't, couldn't be replaced. But at the same time, we are, you know, 100% invested into the 10 teams that we have You know we think they're the right teams they're the right people involved in those teams and and um and now that we do have a a baseline and a and a platform there that i think is worthy of their investment into the championship um we really want to you know go on that journey with them next year and i think that uh, i think that's what we'll see. i genuinely do think that everyone's going to want to step up to the plate and i'm feeling a lot of competitive tension behind the scenes of where teams are like all right now I'm going to go after this rider I'm going to go after this rider and now'm you know I want to you know they're very motivated i can I can really feel that
0: speaking of of the investment in teams and even riders, this might be a bit of a tough question, but um yeah you know, we there was I've heard from a couple teams some that were a bit upset over say the Kenny situation the the fact that he received some level of of reasoning to come to the series outside of what a team was paying him. do you foresee to, to attract talent of his level, do you foresee something like that happening into next season? or was that kind of a one and done situation to get get talent of that in front of in front of the audience and the cameras just for the first year? Do you guys see your stance on that changing at all going into your second year?
1: I think like first and foremost, like our you know our focus was on the fans and putting on an amazing show. And going into Cardiff, we had zero teams, we had zero you know, riders at that point in time to be able to market with or launch with or sell tickets based on them. Um, you know, so we, and I think our focus will always be that, you know, we want to, and we know that there's a period of having to support the teams for them to be able to engage riders of that calibre or the world's best riders early. The, the The fact is, you know, as you're well aware, there's, no, there's not the manufacturer supporters that there is in other championships around the world. Um, but then those riders still, you know, deserve to be paid, um, you know, uh, comparable to where they would in um, other regions around the world. So, whether it be the US or, or Europe or, or otherwise. So, um, you know, there's also different ways to look at it. And we are, and our situation with Kenny was unique in the sense that it doesn't just mean we we didn't just pay him to then place him with any particular team. It was a commitment to him that um, uh, to guarantee the fact that he could make, you know, make money and race the championship. But then a team, all teams are offered the opportunity to step up to engage him. Um, and that is something that, that I think can work in the future, where, where um, you know, if a rider, if, if the championship um has the opportunity to secure a top-level rider, um, that we may do it in a way that 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 means that as long as it's fair and equal to each team and each of the teams have the ability to engage that rider, and um then um then you know that was something we look at, which is it is different than how it's how it's done, uh, how it's done currently. But um, as long as it's fair and equal to all, all teams, which some some may not have thought that it was uh, this year, but it really was. So we we really didn't didn't engage Kenny to place him with the genuine Honda yeah. team that he ended up. Literally at that point in time, we engaged him because he had no ride in the US. He didn't know what brand he was going to be on, what team he was going to be on, and and we, we really wanted to promote the series with him, so we engaged him. Um, and then offered the teams the opportunity to, to take over that engagement, I guess. And, and that's what ended up happening with Genuine Honda. And, and, it, and it worked out. Um, it worked out well. So I think it's a case by case. You know, I, I wouldn't say that um, we're fixed on any certain yes or no. We'll never do that again or anything along those lines. But I think, you know, for this to be successful, we've got to think, um, you know, outside the box. And we've got to be innovative and, you and, um, you know we need and want some of the best riders in the world, and um, all of the best riders of the world in time. So how we continue to to make that happen, um, you know, nothing's off the table, I guess.
0: Um, looking forward into next year, um, when do you think we will see a public announcement on supposed rounds, venues, some sort of rough schedule? Um, you know what what's kind of your guys' goals for venue or for round quantity next year and things of that nature.
1: Yeah. um, We're looking at six to eight rounds and hoping to announce at the end of November, by the end of November, um, we're in final negotiations with venue contracts, with uh, promoter agreements and all of that stuff is happening now. Like as far as venues and dates for a lot of those, they won't change. It's kind of like the dates are locked and the venues are locked. But you know you don't want to go public on those kinds of things until until contracts are signed because um anything can happen you know um and and we've seen you know the the risk of things being leaked when that aren't necessarily ready to be to be spoken about and and um and when things change it can it can do more harm than good so um we think by the end of November is realistic though and, and things are traveling really really well I mean the great news is um there's a lot of interest. I think you know we've always had a lot of interest in terms of promoters and venues and government partners and things around the world wanting or interested, I should say. Um, But immediately following Cardiff, that accelerated and then obviously following Melbourne on the weekend, that accelerated another level again, Um, you know, because, again, proof of concept, people saw the fans, you know, know, 35,000 people in Cardiff, 50,000 over two days in Melbourne, you know, it becomes more real. Um, Whereas before, you know, we were selling it, selling a uh, a deck you know <laughs> and when you as you know a, de- a deck versus proof of concept are two completely different
0: things yeah. so talk point, talk um, is one thing actions a, a whole nother so i imagine it's made those conversations okay. a lot more simple i mean there's still still tough parts to talk about but now it's you're it's not all having to explain to them hey like this is what it to look like here here's what it looked like now you can see it you can feel it you could touch it you you've maybe gone and experienced it there's still a level of conversation after that but i'm sure that is to the yeah. extent, making your guys' job a little bit easier going forward.
1: Oh, Big time. And data, you know, I mean, we had we had nothing really. You know, we had previous history from events in 2019 being the last one that we'd had in, in Melbourne with OzX Open. And, you know, but people want data. They want to have real sales metrics. They want to have real audience data, real um, profiling and, and, and to be able to develop a business case you know, and, and um, you know, and, and just prove ourselves, you know, we understood that, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, yeah, like I said, talk is cheap, you know, and, and this we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, that was probably what was what was getting annoying and getting tiring is talking about something and not actually having actually delivered it. And I think that was the, what was the most important about getting this season season and getting these events done was to 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 not be talking about it. If we were still talking about it going into next July when the season will start, you know, I mean, people would still be hanging back, waiting to see will we actually run an event? And can we actually run an event? Will it actually get off the ground? You know, and I think, I think now, hopefully that that uh, those sort of messages are gone and we can move forward.
0: Speaking of data and just experiencing it, so one I'm really curious of um, being a US fan. We have plenty of people. Yeah, they may only go to one Supercross a year, but because it's been available for years, maybe they've been going to the same Supercross for 10, 15 years or something, or they get to go to a couple a year. You know, I understand you have your your fanatic fans that no matter whatever, you're going to buy a T-shirt. They're going to they they're gonna stand in the autograph lines. They're going to be a little bit more engaged. But again, we have a lot of them that they have so much exposure to it, it maybe doesn't mean as much. So going into Cardiff and Melbourne, um, were you guys surprised at all? Was it barely like, I'm just thinking; those guys don't get my well, sketch kind of like hard if They don't get to experience this. So, how early the fans are showing up? How many understand the autograph lines? How many are buying t-shirts, stuff like that? Was it i am I'm I'm guessing that's a good good one to have some data on. To actually, see if they engaged or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it was nuts. Honestly,
1: it was nuts. Um, like, and and it was really motivating, and uh, I don't want to say reassuring because we, we we were confident in that, but it was really motivating to see. The fan reaction for the riders. I mean, Cardiff. I mean, Melbourne and Australia, you know, is our backyard. So we expected it. We know that by even by having that Oz X Open event, you know, the fan reaction was huge. Um, but but in Cardiff was just an amazing and humbling experience because the streets were full of people. They're blowing the air horns like they do at European events. They're the, you know, they were the the bars were full, you know, by lunchtime. People were were so into it. The autograph line completely blew out and caught us by surprise. And you know, it 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 um it actually turned into a sort of operational nightmare because there were so many people. Um which was amazing because you know our team our team kind of thought oh we'll do an autograph signing it's gonna be midday it's, you know there's probably not gonna be anyone around but let's do it anyway. And my God, they just got mobbed. It was huge and and fans yelling out at writers, you know, like I you know you know they really they really were like rock stars there, and that is to your point. It's because they don't get to see them, and 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 I and I think in that this this whole concept is about taking the 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 World Supercross Championship to fans that don't get the opportunity to see this level of professional Supercross um, anywhere else. They haven't seen it, and and you guys in the US are so are so lucky because you get to see these guys ride all the time. You know, and you get to see them ride the practice track and you can you can anyone can drive down to the test tracks in corona and go and check them out but you can't you know people have gone their whole lives and i know um chad reed i spoke with chad reed yesterday and he said he had a fully grown man in tears because he'd never seen him ride before and he just wanted to see him ride like this is this is special to these people and i I know myself when i was a young guy and i came to the u.s and got to see ricky carmichael ride a supercross track for the first time and i was just so stoked that i could say that i got to see him ride supercross you know and there's this whole level of passion um and i want to say appreciation for the opportunity to even just see these guys in the flesh and see them do what they do best and i really felt it this year that they i mean the amount of you know thank you messages we get is incredible you know and that that is what's really special because they're thanking us that we brought it to them because not everyone can just afford to to jump on a plane and 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 go to the US and go see one of these events, you know. So it was really really special and 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 um something I honestly think we can replicate around the world. And we'll, I hope that we go to South America and we go to vet regions in in Europe and we and we see that same reaction where the fans are just are just so stoked to see them to see them in person. You know?
0: Now uh, a conversation we had earlier this year was about the names in the series. Like I think we talked about. You know, could you do this without the Lawrence's, without the Kenny's, without the Elies of the world? You got some of those names, but again, a lot of mid-tier names in there. The reaction again from fans, does it surprise you all? Because again, these guys don't get to experience any of these guys. So I, I feel like even a Dean Wilson, even a Max Ancy, even a, a Mitchell Oldenburg, probably actually hold a decent amount of start. Like it's still interesting to these guys. Again, I know you guys would love to have the big, big names, but the writers that have stepped up to do your series and believed in you guys, uh do you see more of an opportunity to actually turn them into the stars of your series now seeing how just fans are reacting in general to just getting to see these guys ride
1: yeah totally i mean i think i think also like the racing again was was incredible so and and uh, you know there's only uh 20% of our attendees are, that are really hardcore fans you know and that that really know um, who Kenny is or Eli is really, truthfully, do you know? What I, you know, so the rest are coming for a show and they're coming to see some incredible racing. And you know, like I said, the, the Australian Championship on Friday night was incredible racing, and so that that was a great show before the World Championship of Eden started on Saturday night. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, there's there's certain there's definitely certain people where the top top riders is an absolute of importance to them, and they won't come unless they're there. well. I'm saying that will they still not, will they not come anyway or will they still come, you know, um, because they want to be part of it and the overall event and the overall show is is what they're there for more so. You know, we all want to see the best riders and I think having, having um, you know, Kenny as part of the championship was amazing. Seeing Eli in Cardiff was fantastic and, and definitely riders. I mean, sorry, fans really love that. Um, but I wouldn't say the fan reaction in Melbourne was any less without Eli there either, to be completely honest with you. You know, I don't think anyone was... We didn't get a single message saying that we're bummed the Lawrences didn't come, not one. Didn't get a single message saying we're bummed that Eli didn't come, this sucks, not one. You know, um, so I think of course we want the best writers in the world. Um, and we'll make sure the platform is worthy and that they want to be part of it. Um, but the writers that are part of it, regardless, will be projected to the into the limelight and will receive exposure, um, you know, fantastic exposure for themselves, their brands, and their team. So you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a parallel approach, really, which which is we want to build up the championship riders, all of them, um, for the, in their own right, their own personalities and their own kind of you know history, um, but then also build a platform that is um, deserving of the best riders in the world participating, no matter where they're from. Also, so um, you know, I don't think you can. I don't think um, I don't. From a fan's perspective, I think that uh, what we had was a fantastic balance of that.
0: Uh, something else I want to get your thoughts on. It's definitely a bit of a backtrack um, situation. And again, a, l- a little bit tougher, maybe conversation to have, but something you mentioned earlier about um, Kenny about bringing him about the the financials and being that there isn't some of the major OEMs involved, which, um, you know, a lot of us in the industry have talked about it I personally did some kind of explaining some of the pay structures of like, how involved oems are in american racing in funding a lot of these bonus structures and things that make it worth these guys going racing um flashing back to you guys coming over here early in the year having those conversations kind of running into the wall a little bit with oems now that you've had time to to sit on it think about it, get through your racing you know did any of that catch you off guard or are you still surprised in the end that you know maybe you guys got some of the reaction from the oems here is there anything now after seeing time to reflect on that makes you go okay i understand why or is it still like kind of again is it kind of caught you guys off guard the the tensions have developed in a way
1: Uh, i wouldn't i mean some of it caught caught um caught us off guard i think to the level i i don't think we ever expected support i don't think we ever expected and we didn't we did meet with the manufacturers in the US, but we never went to them cap in hand asking for money at all. We didn't go to any manufacturers asking for money. I think the opposite. We went to them saying, we, you know, we would love your support, as in um, we want you to be part of this, but we're not asking you for money. That was kind of one of the things that we wanted to do. Um, so, you know, but we also didn't manage ourselves well at the start, well enough, and the messaging wasn't great at the start. You know, a couple of meetings were probably a bit too, Uh, from our side too brash and i think Mm -hmm. you know i think that you know um we could have handled it better you know and i think definitely if we're to have our time again would be you know um i don't know coming across a little bit differently or a bit more humbly i mean i i don't think that um it was ever our intention to come across as big shots that's for sure Mm -hmm. um but the reality of it is we did come in to, and, and, um, and announce that we're going to do a world championship you know um, that we have a, a you know a large international investor and we did you know announce that and so there kind of became this kind of big shot mentality which that kind of took me by surprise because i'm a i'm a racer i grew up racing myself like I, i'm a privateer racer here in australia that that have been able to create a career in in running events in motocross and supercross and managing riders and have done TV announcing and done all the shitty jobs along the way to be in the position that up. I'm. Yeah, in, in the to be in. So there's no big shots coming into town here saying we're going to take over and we're going to and screw the establishment because um, we're huge fans, like the biggest fans. Like I told you earlier, like my my story of going to see Ricky Carmichael is legit. Like I I, I love. Um, supercrossing in the States. I'm a huge fan of it and motocross. I've been to, I've raced an amateur day at Washougal once upon a time. And I've been to, um, I've been to, you know, some of the pro motocross events and uh, I'm a huge fan myself. So we never came in wanted to take away from anything. Um, and all we wanted to do was build on what is there already. Um, You know, we reached out to fell to tell them, to tell them that and had a call with Dave Prater, which I thought went really well. So, but still you know the messaging still wasn't right, and somehow that kind of got lost in translation. And 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 I, uh, you know, I know the things that we need to change, and now our, our um, approach needed to change and improve, which we're trying to to do now and have been for a while to try and change that that messaging, um, because that is the truth. We're not here to take away from anything. We we think the sport's incredible. We're huge fans. of What happens in the states, we just want to build on it and take it around the world. But that's that's the that's the truth of it. So. Um, and as when it came to the manufacturers, you know, or the distributors in the states, you know, again, we didn't expect them to to help us because we know that Feld had wanted to go internationally before, and they'd said no because they sell bikes in the US, and it makes complete sense that they would focus on selling bikes in the US. That is, got to be their focus, and they it would be remiss to expect anything other than that. Um, but I also didn't expect the the pushback and the you know, I think there was a point where it's gone beyond looking after the best interests of their own racing in the States and, and, and trying to block us out of principle. And and that was disappointing because I think all of that, the only thing that that did is, is, is put up barriers for the fans and those riders. There's riders that lost, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that would have gone to, to, to riders that didn't go to riders because of that situation, you know, a lot of top riders missed out on a lot of money, um, and fans missed out on seeing riders they really wanted to see. So that was the part that was disappointing because I felt like, hey, now you're you're out of principle, wanting to stop us, even though we're not trying to get in the way, or, or what we're wanting to do is build on the sport and invest into the sport. Um, but but it's the move is at the de- detriment of fans and the writers themselves which is the two of the three things that we're trying to build you know and and it didn't hurt us it hurt them you know and so you know that i'd like to change i hope that we can change it to the point where it is just business if something can't work you know if a team in the u.s has to protect their asset because they've got something on or another event on i completely get that and understand that Um, but as long as it you know the conversation remains focused on that and business not a kind of Mentality of we got to stop these guys because they're trying to take everything away from us because that's just not the truth.
0: So it's kind of a, a multi-part question. I could see the answer landing somewhere kind of in the middle, but um, so those those conversations kind of circles back. Also, what I said earlier you have these this group of riders that are now with you guys are really excited about. Like I think I've talked to, just seen some interviews and talked to some of these guys, like a uh, uh, Shane MacRath and Joey Savace. I know those two really enjoyed the series. I know. Even talking towards U.S., it seems like they're really focused on a deal that will allow them still to race with you guys next year. So you have riders, um, again, that are committed, that can be the star of your series. You've seen the reaction that, yes, the big names are important, but at the same time, people are pretty excited to see these dudes in general. So my, my question really is, is kind of as it goes forward, do you see guys yourself in a situation where it's like, okay, let's just take a step back and focus on our product and making the riders happy and the fans happy? And eventually, if the OEMs want to come, cool or do you still feel like there's a part of you that's like man we want to circle back with them in a year or two and you want to try to draw them do you feel like you're going to have to still talk to them and draw them in or is it kind of more like now nah, we'll just do our thing and you know if we do a good product they'll come uh
1: it's mostly the it's mostly the former it's mostly us just focusing on the product i mean mostly because we feel like and we have always felt if we produce a a product worthy and and give the global exposure that we that we promise and that the the sport is you know that we have you know, packed, packed fans around the world and, and, and the fan reaction is strong and that the fans want to see Supercross around the world the way we think that they will um, and that it's worthy of the manufacturers wanting to support the teams that are involved in there because they want to win it. Um, that's our number one thing. It's kind of like, you know, we don't, we never wanted to kind of beg them to come in unless they see genuine value in what we're doing. And so that's our number one thing is to build value in what we're doing so that those so that those teams and riders uh, projected around the world so that the championship is worthy of being a genuine, authentic, global world championship. Um, and then I think, you know, competition and the way these brands work is that they'll want to step in and they'll want to win and they'll want to, you know, increase their level of support to make sure they win that. So um, it also, on the flip side, it doesn't mean that we don't want to have great relationships with manufacturers because we absolutely do. And, and um, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we want them to, to feel that, we're approachable and we want to feel in a cohesive kind of relationship with them, whether they are or not involved in the championship. And I, I like to think, you know, this, I mean, this year, you know, to clarify, I mean, Honda sponsored both of our events in, in the UK and in Australia. They, they're, they're one of, a great sponsor of ours. Yamaha sponsored in Australia as well. KTM sponsored in Australia as well. So, you know, we actually have a fantastic relationship with the manufacturers Um it was just the US arms of those manufacturers that were really, you know, against what we were trying to do, because I think that, you know, there's a misconception about us wanting to take away from what is happening in the US, which, which that is what we would like to, that relationship is what we'd like to repair. We just want it to be, you know, clear that what we're trying to do is build on the sport. We're investing millions of dollars to growing the sport around the world. Um, we don't want to take away from what happens in the US one bit.
0: One other thing I wanted to talk about from a, a clarification standpoint was uh, this was a personal opinion of mine of watching um, the first race is is coming in the announcing side is you know the the pres- the the perception of where where you guys stand with what the series is and what it is to the history of what exists so it, it comes in right off the bat that we've got you know Ralph Shaheen this is the first ever World Supercross Championship that's ever happened. And then turns around immediately goes, this is Jeff Emmick, the 1996 FIM world supercross champion. And Mm -hmm. I felt like on that, that first broadcast for the first bit, there was a lot of back and forth where it'd be like, this is the first ever world supercross championship heat race winner, but Justin Bray, this is Justin Bray 18 18th race. win. towards Mm -hmm. the end of the show, they definitely circled back and they kind of covered over. Well, there was, you know, FIM has been this before and transferred over, um, you guys internally has that been kind of a, a hard issue to how do we present the series where do we stand on what it is now and what what existed before what it means to it is that something you guys have kind of found a path on on how to present it to the fans or is that something you guys are still kind of working through
1: i think it was more of a communication internally and, and getting everyone on board on the way we want to want to speak and i mean because we do want to celebrate previous world champions. I mean, absolutely. I mean, our original hype reels, you know, showed a lot of the, the previous, you know, world champions. And, um, and, um, and so we definitely wanted to celebrate the previous champions and the previous results and all of those things, regardless of who the previous promoter is and fell. That was never, you know, we didn't want to ignore the history, ignore the past. Um, but really the message is this is the first time a world championship is going to go around the world and that's something that we're really proud of and that's something that we're excited by and that's one of our major points of difference so we definitely want to celebrate that but without you know taking away from the fact that there has been fantastic world champions for a number of years you know um, racing in the US and so it's a balance that we probably didn't strike completely right but the, the the real answer is we want to do both. We want to celebrate the fact that these world champions and the the world championship has been a, a, a fantastic world championship held within the, the United States for a long period of time. Those riders well and truly deserve those accolades that they've they've received. Um, but what we're doing is new because we're going around the world, and it's the part of us not you know wanting to take away from what's been done in the US because we're not. We want to celebrate it, um, but also celebrate the fact that we're going around the world. So it is a it is a. Um, you know, it's difficult to get all that messaging right. And I think, you know, it's more about that and just teething of the messaging and how it's presented as opposed to, you know, um, con- confusion as to how we want to present. I think it's really clear. We want to celebrate celebrate the past champions and the, and the world championship that has been for a number of years, again, racing in the United States. Um, but we want to take that thing around the world now and, the, and, and we want to celebrate that too.
0: So speaking of you know my perspective watching the show, something I was genuinely pretty excited about was some of the difference in the broadcast. I know you guys are still going to work through some issues with the onboard cameras. The first race, some of them didn't work as well. It looked like placements and things worked better for round two. Um, one I was genuinely very happy to see was because you see it in OGP, you see it in F1 uh fast lap times, segment times that actually update green green purple like segment centers that is the most it sounds like the most basic thing but i freaking love that again coming from f1 and uh, being a huge f1 fan being able to watch actual time qualifying and be excited because you can follow a guy through the lap and be like oh he's up he's up in two sectors like he has a shot at this um so me personally, it's a small thing, but that was actually one of the things I enjoyed the most uh, about the broadcast. Um, for yourself, with some of the things you guys try to implement, uh, what were you excited about that you guys brought to the, the broadcast side, to the viewer? Um, it's a great, it's a fantastic question. I mean, I love some of the angles in
1: Melbourne. Like, you know, I thought, I thought the Cardiff broadcast was okay, but we had a lot of areas that we, you know, straight away we wanted to improve on. You know, there's no question. But I thought the Melbourne broadcasts you know, some of the angles were awesome. You know, we had a live drone following them around for the super pole lap, which I thought was really cool. Um, we had the spider cam, which is obviously a, an amazing perspective. Um, the onboard stuff, I, you know, is really, really cool and, it, and it's unique, but it needs fine tuning. And it's, uh, you know, as a as a rider, you know, you want to see the rider's eye view. Um, you know, which is hard to achieve, you know, um, it, because there's a whole level of complication to mount live cameras on anything, but let alone if you're trying to put cameras on helmets and, you know, or on riders and things like that. So, which we obviously hadn't haven't, um, you know, worked through yet. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of area, area to improve on that side of things, for sure. There's no question. Um, but yeah, I think just overall, what I was most proud of of was the improvement from cardiff to melbourne i think like some of the angles in melbourne i think it really proved that we could pull together a slick you know world-class world championship production you know um and it helps set the bar for what we're going to do you know moving forward um so overall i think it's just an overall level of improvement the overall quality of it i'm i'm super proud of and some of those innovations we want to push the boundary like the onboard cameras Whilst you know, um, there's fine tuning to be done there. It's still innovative; it hadn't been done before. We had bikes with three cameras on them, facing various—you know, one at the rider, right, one out the back, one out the front. You know, um, it's not easy to pull off. The, the technology to do that is tough, and and um, and within a sta- a stadium too. That's it, it's actually really tough to do, and there's a reason why it's not done. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it needs fine tuning. But I was really proud that we we're able to pull that stuff off.
0: Yeah, I remember when the the Lit Pro guys were pulling live data for the onboard they did on the TV a couple times, uh, knowing some of the guys that work there. Open air stadiums, awesome. Full indoor stadiums, it was a massive struggle, even using some of piggybacking off some of the broadcast equipment. They were having a very tough time making it work. Um, I did think of like just the the perspectives tough on dirt bike. Like I saw some of the mounting locations. The first thing that hit me is like, ah, dirt bike pitches and travels a lot. Like it, it makes it really hard to keep those. Views and perspective. Like Moto GP has the really cool back gyro cam, but the rear of their bikes, even though it's a rear shock and it can move just as much, but it's settled a lot more. So their their view is a little bit easier to work with. And uh even I think of like uh Formula Ones always had the the one up above the roll hoop for a long, long time. Even this year, they finally got one. They somehow got it in the helmets through the visor view. And it's it's amazing again that difference in six, mm. you know, 10, 12 inches of perspective how much gnarlier that view is when you finally hit the right view it is it's truly a pretty cool uh, viewing experience
1: yeah, absolutely and, and yeah and we'll we'll continue to investigate all all opportunities along that line to bring a whole different viewer experience you know it's super super important it's really high on the on the agenda and um but it is difficult it's challenging you know like and we're not going to get it right first time every time and and um, but that's the the whole reason for innovating right it's gonna it's gonna um it's gonna be a challenge
0: Nice. So, uh, yeah, we had a couple events, even, even saying all that, I imagine it's nice to get them over with, but I'm sure you guys would love to have had a couple more to, again, just trial things. Um, I guess that's the beauty is of, of a series as new is uh, I think here on the U.S. side, we struggle with this a lot. I, I have these conversations with people about about our series whether it's supercross or motocross i understand it motocross there's a lot of history to it there's a lot of attachment because a lot of people grow up doing it so there's a certain like let's not mess with the formats it has legacy um i've always viewed u.s supercross like this but a lot of people still don't is it is sort of a show it is a way to propel riders to a greater viewership to try to make the money to try to grow the sport but people get really hung up on well, you can't cut down that main. That's just not hardcore enough or this or that. That's just not how guys do it. I'm like, when did any of us line up and ever do it? I rolled around super cross track a couple times, tried double some stuff. It didn't work out so well. <laughs> um, so I, I do appreciate like, you know, I kind of hope going in next year, even though you guys are going to hit a longer championship, there's still that opportunity to try stuff. Cause again, you guys are, you're in a new, new state. Like you, you're not locked into this. Oh, we have all this legacy, this way that it has to be done. There's all that room still to grow and figure out how to actually propel us to to the highest heights possible yeah and
1: that is the risk right because you try something that doesn't work you get you get slammed for it but if you don't try anything then you never you never move forward and you don't innovate and we become stale before you start so you got to, you know, I guess there's a level of risks to take, you know, like in, turn, in trying these things. I mean, doing the series in the first place is the ultimate level of that. But you know, trying onboard cameras and trying them, and you know, hardcore and trying different formats. And like you said, hardcore fans will will uh, will slam you if it's not. Yeah, well, some will slam you regardless because that's just the sort of nature of of fans, and that's all fine. But um, but you're not going to win it every time. And I think that I think that what we have to do and what we you know it's important for us is to just kind of own it when we try something and it doesn't work and just go you know what we tried it, it didn't work or we had to improve or what you know um, but not lose that spirit of trying things and trying to innovate and i think that that'll be the balance for us moving forward is because you know you want to continually push the boundaries but you you, you never want to disengage the hardcore fans either because you know um they're like you and I they're the ones that they, they're going to come along and they they' are friends in this whole thing so it's a balance of bringing you bringing new, new fans but don't disengage the old ones. And, um, and I think that it'll be a, a constant kind of, we'll have to check ourselves all the time to be like, Hey, are we pushing the boundary for the sake of it, or is this actually going to be better for the fan experience? And I think as long as you're constantly asking yourself that um, and doing it for the right reasons, then you can own it, whether it goes well or not, you know?
0: So my last question before we get out here, it's a very current thing. Um, after the race, it's all the talk this week is the Justin Bray and Vince freeze incident. Um, especially as if you know what jb has been talking about publicly is more true with with the accusation of vince potentially bribing somebody to take him out like this gets to a pretty extreme case from your guys's standpoint on the promoter side like does this become something that becomes investigated like has this circulated your guys' office much this week on what the heck to do about that situation
1: yeah i mean I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by you know by that i mean um yeah. I had no idea until yesterday that, 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 was even, um, that JB was, was, was saying that. And and I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge JB fan. Obviously I think he's one of the most Whoa. straight up great guys in the world. So.
0: And it's shocking to me. Cause like I, there's stuff that's happened in JB's career with past teams and stuff. He's not the kind of guy to go out there. Like he's, he's probably stayed mince words on things. I'm surprised the man will stay like silent on. So when he's the kind of guy that comes out, and is that aggressive? Like this freaking happen and I'm talking about it, that, really makes me like, you know, it, at the end of the day, you got to figure it out. If if everything is totally lines up, is true. But JB's kind of one of those guys that doesn't cry wolf and doesn't bring up issues very often.
1: No, no, but I, I would just be, I'd, I'd personally be so surprised. I mean, I got to spend some time with Vince. I, I found him to be a really nice, polite, yep. great guy. Honestly, like I, I feel like, you know, I know some of the this, this stuff he, you know, the way he rides on the track isn't always well received, but as a person, I found him to be a really respectful, good person, and um, and uh, you know, one thing I'll say is I never want to see social hate. I think it's really unfair of people bashing people on social media, and some of the things that people say about him, I just sometimes it makes me, you know, like unsure about about us as a community and a, us as a sport and and i know it's all sports but at times but you don't want to just bash people and say things if you don't know the guy i don't know the details i don't think it's right that that people will you know will do that and unfortunately social media gives people that voice um like i said i found him to be incredibly polite great guy you know he was visibly really unhappy after that final race on the weekend of how the result went you know because he was in a in a good you know in a good running um and i know that their team had you know enormous kind of drama post event um it's kind of like from our side as the promoter you want drama you want people to be passionate i want you want people to race hard fight hard and do everything they got to do you know to win because you want them to you want the championship to have enough prestige that they want to win bad enough um but at the same time, the integrity of this sport is obviously incredibly important, and we're running a world championship. We don't, we you know, we we want to have the highest level of credibility and integrity that there possibly can be. So, got, I've got no idea what what actually was or wasn't said. I mean, um, you know, I've seen obviously the footage, of the replays of of the of the of Vince hitting hitting JB. Um, it, was a, it was a real, a real, a real bummer. Um, <laughs> the reality is, I, I just don't know how we'll ever know other than. The direct people involved um but i will say that i think that you know it's us for fans i think we just gotta see how it pans out
0: for for you guys in this situation though is it something you guys end up looking into or is this something that gets left in the hands of the the fim as the officiators is this something that gets passed on to their officials and you just let them basically deal with the you know if figure out if there's anything really to it yeah, totally. I mean,
1: that's what their fame are there for. It's to officiate and uphold the rules. Like that's that is their their main function, you know. So for us, it's kind of um, provide the footage of what every, of of what we have, which we did. We just said, here's all the footage, you know, of the you know from the from the from the racing, and um, and that's all from our side of things. That's all we can do. We'll manage the messaging out from the fans' perspective. Um, you know, when if when we learn anything you know things come to light but for us to get involved in the he said he he said or she said or anything like that isn't isn't our role our role is to promote the sport in the best possible light and make it an amazing entertainment property and it's their job to kind of officiate and uphold the rules and 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 decide whether someone did or didn't you know do the wrong thing you know um it was really interesting i mean i to see all that come out really surprised me i've never seen it's you know never seen anything like that in in supercross or Heard that said like i said jb's a great guy one of my favorite in the whole sport um you know so uh, i was disappointed to that he was so disappointed for him you know the, yeah. about whatever happened there you know it was a real bummer and i was equally bummed in a way for vince because um because i did find him to be a good guy and i'm like man why did you know like if, he's going to get a get get a really bad rap um for for whatever has happened here. you and, and um you know, I think, like I said, as long as it stays sort of sporting and you know above board and not sort of like bullying and, and social hate, then then we'll just we'll let it pan out, and see what happens.